0: This is The Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. The next week we're going to spend some time, uh, and next week and Christmas Sunday, we'll spend some time, um, on this short sermon series called Hope Has a Name. I'll begin that next Sunday, and then we'll go into that series for two Sundays in a row. And on December 31st, we're going to have a great um, uh, celebration, a message that's going to help us get into the new year. Can you believe it's almost the end of the year? Man, that's amazing. Eh, Amen. Y'all aren't excited. Y'all are like, uh <laughs> It's awesome, amen. I am excited for the new year, amen. Uh, I want to title my message this morning, When You Fast, When You Fast. Um, when we were going through the gospel according to Matthew, we, we talked about praying in chapter number six, and we paused when we came to the subject of fasting, and I told you we'll revisit that subject. There are good four or five verses that I said we'll revisit it, and the reason was every year... Uh, we, we I preach a message on fasting and prayer. I, I preach about it throughout the year, but I particularly spend a Sunday speaking about prayer and the importance and the power of prayer. Uh, the reason being in the f- this first week of January, January 6th to be precise, we begin our 21 day of fasting and prayer. As a church, we fast and we pray for 21 days. Uh, and it's something that we've done ever since the inception of this church, ever since year one. We have fasted and we have prayed as a church. And the reason we have seen God work in miraculous and mighty ways is because we are a church that prays. And it's going to be no different. This year, the leadership team has decided that we're going to do a few more things in addition to what we did last year because it's important for us to spend time praying. And I'll update you guys here in the following weeks. But uh, even though we're going to be meeting here only a couple times a week, uh, every day we're going to have an opportunity for prayer online. So if you're free and you would like prayers, or if you want to join and pray together, you, you, would, you, would ha- you would have that chance on Discord. But today I want to spend some time talking about this to prepare your hearts and to ready your hearts, to give you ample enough time to pray about this and seek the face of the Lord about if you should fast and pray come January 6th. Some of you all probably don't even need to wait till then. You could start this uh, this attitude of fasting and prayer even now. But I want to go into Matthew six and I want to teach for a little bit. Can I teach for a little bit today? Is that okay? Uh, I might teach. I might preach. I might preach. Uh, we we might do a little mixture of everything. But Matthew chapter six. I'll talk a little bit about prayer. We'll talk about, a little bit about fasting. In Matthew six verses sixteen. The Bible says this. And when you fast, someone say when you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that, are, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. And your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. The Bible begins this passage with the words, and when you fast, not if you fast. It begins by saying, when you fast. If you listen closely, when we talked about, uh, the sermon was titled, The Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6. It was probably in July somewhere, we, we talked about that. Um, I talked about prayer as well in in Luke. Jesus actually, we're going to read that verse later. But Luke Luke actually talks about this. When Jesus started teaching about prayer, he said, but when you pray, pray likewise. Matthew talks about that too. Jesus is instructing his disciples and he says, when you pray. So it is a given and it's understood that prayer and fasting are not optional. They are a given. They are a mandate by heaven to the believer. I want you to listen closely and in, in, in John chapter 6 actually, and uh, in, in, in the reason I say this and the reason we're going to read this verse that we're going to read is I want to teach you something. There are some things in the Christian walk and discipleship and in faith that it's really hard to do as Christians. It's really, really hard to do. And one of the hardest things to do as a Christian and a believer is to pray. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And you can get the notes on the QR code uh, on the Bible app if you need it. You could take down notes, write notes. Writing is good, amen? Note takers are world changers, so write notes. In John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples. And some people that are listening to Jesus' message are finding, finding it really hard to understand what he's saying. Not just understand, but they're like, man, I don't think we can agree with this. I don't think we can, we can do this, Jesus. Like, this is a little hard for us to accept and to follow. You're asking a little too much from us. So in John chapter 6 and verse 60, many of his disciples came to him and said, This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? This is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? And Jesus has this discourse, I want to skip a verses for the, for the lack of time, and in verse 66, the Bible says this, from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? Because Jesus did not negotiate with terrorists. He looked at them and said, if this is hard for you to understand, if it is hard for you to accept... He said, this is my message. I'm not going to change it up. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to give you a seeker-friendly message. So they got upset and they walked away. Come on, am I talking to somebody? The, the same reason as to why many people leave church. They get super offended by what pastor said. Or they're not okay for correction or, or okay with uh, being, uh, being corrected or being disciplined in some way or the other. And in verse 66, from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And the next verse says, so Jesus cried about that. No, that's not what it said. (laughs) It said, Jesus looked at his 12. These these guys that walked away, people on the fringes. Jesus talked to the the 12 that are close to him and said, guys, y'all have the option right now. There's the door. He says, do you want to go too? Because I'm not changing my style, I'm not changing my message, and that's the same Jesus we serve. He's the same unchanging God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And there are some principles about fasting and prayer that I want to give you as the word teaches us today. Is that okay? And we as a church are going to be known as a church that fasts and prays. Because there's power in that. My question to us is, what is your level of commitment to Jesus? See, not a lot of people are going to like this teaching about fasting, but it's an important part of your discipleship. Let me give you a few things about prayer, real quick, and we'll talk. I'll, I'll, uh, real quick, I'll talk about prayer, we'll talk about fasting, and then we'll pray and we'll close. Okay? All right. Prayer, principles of prayer. Prayer is a universal expression. Let me teach for a few minutes here. All right. What do I mean by this? It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if you're a Hindu, Buddhist, uh, if you're a Muslim. As a rest, it doesn't matter whatever your religion is. Prayer is a universal expression. What do I mean by that? Prayer is seeking of a transcendent being. Because man is spirit, he cries out to a spirit. And the Bible says, and God is spirit. There's, there's this deep thing that we need to understand in what prayer is. It's the human desire, this inerrant desire, this, this deep desire that we are born with to seek out to something that is bigger than that, that is mightier than us, that can look at us and, and, and take care of us, there is this deep desire within us. And we were talking about this earlier, or we were singing about it earlier when, when, they, when they sang the song, we were created to be intimate with God, that's what we were created to do. In 2 Corinthians, Paul actually talks about that and says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, everybody seeks the transcendent. It doesn't matter if they're Hindu, Muslim, or Christian. But the problem is that the gods of the world has blinded them that they just seek out into nothing, and they don't want to be focused on the living God. Be it the atheist who who resorts to the the things that he does or or, or the the feelings that he has or the the Uji board or or the the agnostic who believes in horoscopes or the Muslim that that bows down and prays five times or seven times a day or the Jew who goes to the wailing wall and goes to and forth in 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 a moment of religiosity praying and praying and praying or be it the Hindu who goes up to a statue and offers incense and, and, and lights up incense like a Buddhist. It doesn't matter. Everybody is in seeking or is, is always seeking the transcendent being. Why? Because it's biblical. In Ecclesiastes 3 and verse, verse 11, the Bible says this He had made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find what God has done from the beginning to the end. Basically, he's saying, man, eternity is in the heart of all man. It doesn't matter what your expression is. It doesn't matter which God of the world has blinded you. You always have this yearning for eternity. What's going to happen next? Where am I going? He put eternity into our hearts and naturally our hearts gravitate towards seeking the supernatural. We have this hunger for the supernatural. Like I said, whether it be the Hindus who bow down to idols, or people that call the ancestral spirits, or people that do voodoo or black magic or white magic or Ouija boards, or whether it's burning incense or candles or bowing down to statues or bowing east to Mecca or the Wailing Wall, prayer is man reaching out to the transcendent. In the same way, the believer in the Christian is instructed and commanded to pray because Jesus says, when you pray. I can go in detail about this, but because I'm talking about such a vast topic of fasting and prayer, I kind of want to hone in right now. So prayer is a command. It's not an option. The third thing I want to remind you is prayer is the most talked about, but the least practiced activity. Anybody have a recipe book at home? Anybody? Any women? Men? How many of you use them? How many of you use that recipe book? One? A couple of y'all? Some of y'all have that recipe book open on your kitchen to look pretty on like one of those stands, those easels, and it's just sitting there. It's catching dust. None of the pages have been turned. It's like a prayer. It's like a cookbook. Everyone has one, but people rarely use it. Everyone talks about it, but not many practice it. My prayers are with you, hashtag prayers. My thoughts and prayers are sending prayers your way. Trust me, you did not. Yeah, no, nobody did. Your thoughts, your thoughts and prayers were right in your heart. Nobody sent it. And come on, am I talking to somebody? And I, I, and I beg to ask myself, why, Ashish? Why do we not pray or why do we not follow what Jesus is saying to pray? Like, why? And, and I'm simply convinced that it's because Many of us don't see results. We don't see results. Or you've been burnt once, or you prayed before, and God didn't answer your prayer, so you just quit praying, or you don't see the need to pray. We know that we need to pray, but why don't we practice, this, practice it? Like, my question is, why is the prayer meeting the smallest meeting in church? Why is our midweek service, come on, to, I'm throwing darts this morning. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are like, ah. Oh. Why is our midweek service the least attended? Like Sundays are popping. Like we are in overflow sometimes. Like we have our best outfit on. We, we're, we're, we're coming with game face. Our worship is on. The hands are up. The knees are down. Everything. Come on, am I talking? So? But, but when it comes to the prayer meeting, like what did Jesus say this building should be called? Did he say it should be called the house of worship? He said this should be called the house of prayer. And we have made it everything else but the house of prayer. I'm not, trust me when I say this, when I was growing up, I used to hate prayer as well. I used to hate going to prayer meetings. I used to hate just anything to do with intercessory prayer because all people did was pray, 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 pray but i'm convinced that prayer meetings are not largely attended because people don't see results and we don't we don't really like to do things that don't benefit us So because we don't see those immediate results, but I ask myself, man, but what does God want us to do? And 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, let me teach her for some more time. The Bible says this: if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There is a condition, I will heal. I will listen and I will be there for you. I will be a God. But there is a conditional statement. The word if is a conditional word that is used over there. If. Let me break this down for you. He says, if my people called by my name. Now, I want us to pause here. And our Christians, I want us to pause here. If my Muslim neighbor can pray seven times a day. If he's in the middle of the street, Sonia and I were talking about this the other day. He can be on an airplane in the middle of the street, but his time comes to pray. The mat is out and he is on his knees and his forehead is hitting the ground. Why? Because he knows that that is his prayer time. If he can pray, if, 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 All these other religious people can do what they're doing. What about us, the saved, the baptized, the sanctified, the Holy Ghost filled, the tongue talking believer? What about you? Or is that only on paper? What God is saying is, I can't find my people. Everybody else is praying. The God of the world has blinded everybody else and they're doing it every single day, all day. But if my people call by, where is my people? Now don't discount this because through history and through eternity, God has always been doing this. He is always seeking to work through his people. He needs us to stand in the gap as intercessors and pray as long as God has put us in this world. The Bible reminds us in 2 Chronicles 16, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. He's searching. Someone say searching. Ezekiel 20 and 30, he says, and I sought for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before the land should I not destroy it. Trust me, the Lord is looking for Christians who can stand in the gap for this nation. Who can stand the gap for families around us. Who can stand in the gap for young men like this who walk into this, 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 this church and, 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 and is looking for hope and strength. He's looking for people that can step up and say, I will pray. I will stand in, stand in the gap. I will intercede. And he says, I can't find my people. There are 1.8 billion Muslims in this world. There are two, 1.2 billion Hindus in this world. There are 520 bu- million Buddhists in the world. But he's saying, Where are my people? God is constantly seeking, and he says, If my people. And here he lists out a few things wrong with his people. He says, You know why we can't pray? Here you go. Because one, they're proud. You're proud. He says, humble yourselves. You want revival? You want breakthrough? You want answer to prayers? You want God to move in your life? Humble yourself. Like that pride complex got to go. Like I, I got to be scared. I, I got to stop being scared of, of creasing my Jordans or allowing mascara to run all over my face. And I'm, I'm, I look crazy. On it. But, but I got to have some people that say, I don't care about all that stuff, y'all. Like I can humble myself in the presence of God. This humble yourself is this word striking the chest, tearing the clothes. I don't want any of y'all to do that right now. But, but the, the thing that God is asking you to do is let the things that make God weep make us weep. Yes. Like identify with burden, saying, God, if that is on your heart, so shall it be on my heart. Let it bleed within me too. Let me pray, God. Oh, I want us to wake up this morning. The second thing is, if, it says, if you humble yourselves, if you seek my face. Praying is one thing and seeking, face, seeking his face is another thing altogether. You know what seeking, the, seeking his face is? It means consecrating. It means setting yourself apart just for prayer. You can't watch TV and pray at the same time. Am I talking to somebody? We were in family prayer the other day and my little one was doing this. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And Sonia said, switch off the TV. (laughs) You can't. It's either or. We have to set our face to see God. Consecration is putting all else aside to devote time for something. God is more excited about this consecration than anyone else. You know why? Because he gets all of you. That's what seeking his face means. Just Jesus. I'm going to seek your face. It is face time with God. And then he says, turn from your wicked ways. Hey, we're not talking about witchcraft here. We're not talking about stuff like that. Jesus, Jesus actually used the word wicked a couple of times. You know that? He said, man, the, the, the man who he gave talents to and he went and buried his talents under the ground, he called him wicked. If God has blessed you with talents and you're not using it for the Lord, wicked. Next one. The people who only came to see signs. This is what I'm getting at. Matthew chapter 16, he says, Only a wicked and adulterous generation seek after signs. Some people will not pray if they don't get a sign from God. If they don't see signs and wonders and miracles happen right when they pray, I don't need to pray. This whole prayer thing is a sham. And God looks at them and says, You are a wicked generation. So what if, I, if, if you don't see the signs? Like I, some of them like, I only believe in God if I see the signs. And, and God's like, no, that's a wicked mentality. Turn from your wicked ways. Worship God for who he is, not what he can do for you. I want us to understand this church. And then he says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. The healing of this land, land hinges on your willingness and my willingness to pray. Like not this once a year national day of prayer thing that the White House declares and everybody around the oh, today is the national day of prayer. Let's say a word of prayer. In some schools, let's do a moment of silence. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. My God doesn't want a moment of silence. He needs prayer warriors. Who can unashamedly say hey this nation needs jesus and we need to stand in the gap for this real quick let me talk about this why pray why pray we pray because it is powerful prayer is powerful prayer can move mountains you know in, in matthew chapter 6 uh, and, and in luke chapter 11 the disciples go up to jesus and he says they say how can, can you teach us how to pray jesus Just like John taught his disciples how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? Can I remind somebody that heaven to earth cannot happen without prayer? Jesus says, man, uh, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's how Jesus starts. Prayer was the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Do you know that? He didn't say, Jesus, can you teach me? They, they didn't say, teach us how to cast demons out. They didn't say, teach us how to heal the lame. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to multiply bread and fish. None of that, church. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to walk water, because that's going to amaze a few people. Like all the sensational stuff. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like I was thinking about it the other day, Rebecca, and I'm like, man, they and the words in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, here, here's what it says. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, so this dude was actually standing there and looking at him. His disciples were probably like, man, where is this dude going? Like Mark chapter 1, the Bible says, and rising very early in the morning, it's not on the screen. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he he prayed. Like the day in Israel starts at 4 in the morning. So a few hours before that is like 2 in the morning. You and I are snoring at that point in time. Come on. Jesus wakes up at two in the morning. Come on. If you lived with Jesus and every single day he woke up at two, put on his robe and walked out, you're like, I got to see what this dude is up to. This dude heals in the morning. He goes upon preaching in the morning. This dude is a big pastor, but two in the morning he disappears. I need to know. We we, got to catch him in the act of whatever he's doing. We got to make this public. We got—we call all the paparazzi. Let's make this. Let's, let's write about this. What he, he does is every day. Only to find out that every single time Jesus walked out early in the morning to pray was to tune out every distraction around him. Even his closest of his friends and being his disciples. He was like, I don't need y'all right next to me. Right now, it's time between God, my father, and me, who also happens to be God. If God can pray, so can you. Ooh. He was gone two hours, three hours. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's, he left early this morning. No, he's not selling stuff. He's, he's out there praying in the wilderness. He's out there praying in loneliness in his secret place. He is praying, and, and then he's, they started putting things together. They were like, man, we have a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning. When is this guy going to come back? Like, we're supposed to preach at Peter's house at 3 in the afternoon, and Jesus hasn't come back. He needs to prepare. He needs to have lunch. He needs to get ready. But he shows up at Peter's house, and the lame start walking. Like, he shows up at Peter's house, and the, he, he prays for the blind, and bam, the blind sees. Come on. But Jesus, that took two seconds, Jesus. That that healing took two. No, 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 no. The healing might have taken two seconds, but the prayer took four hours. The two-second healing took four hours of prayer. Don't sit back and wonder why God doesn't move when you and I have not put in the work in the first place. They began understanding that they have to do more than one thing to start doing the other thing. Like by deductive reasoning logic, they concluded for him to do that, he has to remove himself from the distractions of the world and all the world has to offer. And for him to do that, he has to stop doing this. And for him to do that, he has to start doing this. And for them, they began to understand, man, prayer, that is the secret ingredient that makes Jesus jesus so they looked at jesus and said jesus teach us how to they didn't say teach us how to cast out demons because they knew that that was just a product oh sorry about that that was just a product rebecca of what the underlying practice was, what the underlying character was, what the underlying thing was. And that was a man who resolved to prayer day after day in his good times, in his bad times, in his high points, in his low points. Come on somebody. It was just not on the mountaintops he prayed. He prayed in the valley. He prayed when he was approaching death. The last thing that he ever did was walk into a garden called Gethsemane. He bowed down on his knees he closed his eyes the bible says he prayed he prayed and he prayed he was nervous he was going through trauma he was going through heartache and the bible said it was so bad that he started sweating tears but he still prayed he didn't give up because he knew that god his father was on the other side and he is listening to every prayer and every word that comes out of your mouth Jesus knew the cross wasn't going to disappear because he prayed. But he knew that that's all he knew how to do. Christian, when nothing else works for you, do what you know best. Jesus prayed on the mountaintops. He prayed on the valley lows. But one thing that kept him steady was his attitude to saying, nothing in this world will stop me from communicating to my Father in heaven. Nothing. I told you I was going to teach, and now I'm preaching. Come on. Teach, Ashish. Come on, come on, come on. Ooh, These help us. The more time you spend with God, the less time you spend with man. Like that same issue that you're spending five hours working through. Like five hours. You've been on the phone with that person just trying to work things out. Five hours spent in prayer. Go spend those five hours in prayer and see how drastically that changes your day. You've been mentally exhausted after those five hours of dealing with that issue yourself. Try it. Try it. Try it. Jesus. I know that the enemy is not going to like it. Some of y'all are probably sitting here, and Pastor, I've tried it before. I've tried praying and I've gotten good at it. And every time I got good at it, the enemy didn't like it. Like, the enemy started attacking. but Like, isn't that, like, normal? <laughs> Remember, the, like, like, when the enemy is mad, when the devil is mad, God is happy. Right. Like, both of them are not going to be happy together. That's, that's not going to be possible at all. When you pray, God is happy. And when God is happy, it's only normal that the enemy is not getting his time from you. Jesus speak to us. The enemy's not going to like it. He doesn't like consecration. He's going to fight you with that smell of that fried chicken. That smoked briskets that's going to come through the air. When you leave the church, man, steam dumplings is going to be calling your name from across the street. Jesus spent time in prayer for five hours and tried to cast out a demon in five seconds. And we expect to spend 15 minutes in prayer and try try to cast out the same demon in five seconds. Come on, am I talking to somebody? And God's like, no, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Everybody wants to see breakthrough. Everybody wants to pray over breakthrough. But y'all, go into the prayer room first. I told you I was going to, some of us are not going to like this message. And that was me in my early days of ministry. I was like, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a minister. I'm going to pray for everybody. I was just casting demons out of everybody. Come loose right now in Jesus name. I bind you. Come loose. I bind you. What's your name? Where are you from? I bind you. Come loose. And the and the demon was like super confused like, "Do you want me to come loose or be bound?" Like what's like <laughs> Like make up your mind. But here, here I was trying to do deliverance ministry for 30 minutes without even praying for 30 minutes. That's why, so, you remember that demon that laughed at the disciples? Like they were trying to cast this demon out and Jesus says, man, this kind, they go back to Jesus. they like, hey, what happened? Jesus like, this kind does not come out but through what? Pray and fasting. The Christian needs to fast and pray if you want to see supernatural results. If you want to be a lukewarm Christian, come to me after service. I didn't pray for you. But if you want to be a lukewarm Christian, this doesn't apply. This message does not apply to you. I hope you don't. Let me, let me go to fasting. You good with that? We'll talk about fasting real quick and we'll pray in close. Fasting is critical to the Christian too. But so many people either ignore fasting or they misunderstand what fasting is all about. And, and today I kind of want to clarify both of those things. Like fasting is not something we do because everyone else is doing it. It's not a religious practice. It's a biblical mandate. Someone say it's a mandate. Like you'll find examples in the Bible of corporate fasting. Like we're going to be doing as a church. And personal fasting. Like we're going to be doing as a church. We're fasting as a church. And there are people that might be fasting individually. In your homes. In your families. In Joel chapter number two, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride, and the bride her chamber, come together, let's fast. I don't know what category he hasn't addressed there, but he says, everyone come and fast. If I ever become the president of the United States, my first order of business would be to declare a fast in this country. I would never become one, but for obvious reasons. But uh, I love my job as a pastor. But it would be to declare a fast. Because there's power in that. David talks about it. Psalms 109 verse 24. The Bible says, he says, my knees are weak from fasting and I am skin and bones. I want to remind, don't get scared. It, It takes at least 30 days for your knees to become weak from not eating. So, David's probably been fasting for at least 30 days here. I've seen some people, you fast two days and you're like, I'm dying, Pastor. I don't, I don't how are you doing, Pastor? I just need my food. We'll talk about it in just a second. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Who? Jesus. Why fast? Because Jesus is our model. Fasting always was intended to revolve around the abstinence from food, not from Instagram. Don't come up to me and tell me, pastor, I'm fasting from Instagram for 21 days. I will pray for you and we will cast that devil out. That's not what fast, that's a product of fasting that has to happen. It's a bi- if you're fasting, food and Instagram, don't, I don't expect you to be on Instagram and fast together. That's not possible. We're talking strictly about someone say food. Oh, that was so light. (laughs) It's so weak, y'all. Someone say food. Yeah, thank you. Like food always has this ability to either build us or break us. Food has made people fall and food has built people. Yeah? Like you can go to your yearly doctor's appointment and your annual and your doctor can look at you and say, you need to gain some weight. You need to eat more. You need to become more healthier. And if you're like me, he'll be like, you need to stop eating as much as you are. Like, that's not normal. Like, we need to lose a ton of weight, like 40 pounds. All the guys and the amens went down right now. But in the Bible, the Bible talks about one day fast and three days fast, or a seven day fast, or 21 day fast, or 30 days, or 40 days. No one in the Bible has fasted for more than 40 days. And there's no fixed law. We as a church do 21 because it's three weeks. It gives ample enough time for different people in different areas in their life to do a fast that works for them. And I want to assure you, you will not die. Like the human body is designed and it's proven scientifically to go without food for 40 days. But well, pastor, that's not true. Like uh, when, when, I was, when, when I fasted, I got really hungry. That, that's see, see, that's what you call that. that you don't call it hunger you call it habit you call that craving that's what that is when you're fasting and actually doing the right kind of fast not just not not, not eating i'm talking about fasting fasting and when you're praying with your fasting and when you're reading the bible with your fasting when you're talking to god with fasting It is impossible to be hungry after a few days. And I'm going to break it down. For a few days you will. But after that, everything else is called craving. It's called habit. Daniel fasted. Moses, Ezekiel, Jesus fasted for 40 days. It's the 41st day that the body begins to eat its own muscle. That's when starvation begins. Like what happens at 12 p.m. after the second day of fast is just... Craving for grease, that's what it is. It's the lust of the flesh throwing a tantrum. That's the best I can put it. That's when you got to be like, hush. In the name of Jesus, we're going to overcome this. When you're past 10 days, man, I've done this a couple of times before. When you're past 10 days, you have to force yourself to break your fast. Like, there are 21 days after the 21-day fast, we go out to eat, and everyone's like, Pastor, are you so hungry? I'm like, no, not really. I'm not, because after that, you force yourself, and you go into into a time of breaking your fast eventually, slowly, over time. And we'll talk about it. If you're interested, come talk to me, and we'll talk about that. But Pastor, like, I have to stop my entire life. Like, I have to go to lunch with my coworkers. You can still go. Just drink coffee or tea. Just Just drink a juice. It doesn't matter. You won't die. Like, don't believe that you're going to die. If you like, like you won't die if you fast. Can I is that clear, everybody? You're not gonna die. That was my point. You're not gonna die. I gotta move on real quick. We're gonna finish. Joel 2, verses 12. Here's the basic principle of fasting. Okay? Joel 2, verse 12. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Someone say, give me your heart. The basic principle of fasting is giving your heart to God. But pastor, when I got saved, I gave my heart to Jesus. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Can I break this down real quick? In many cultures, you know, loud weeping, wailing, tearing of clothes are accepted as ways of lamenting, personal sorrow, great national calamity. But the Bible says this, it says, come to me with all your heart. In this particular situation, he's calling for the surrender and for the giving up of everything that pleases you as a human being. What does that mean? Come to me with your whole heart. Fasting involves your heart. Where is your heart? Is it in music? Is it Netflix, Amazon Prime, hanging out with friends, TV shows, movies, video games? I don't know, food to start off with. Like, where is your heart? That's what Matthew 6 says when you fast, don't look gloomy, wash your face, all that stuff. Like, fasting is a willful abstinence from natural pleasures for spiritual purposes. A personal commitment to remove the natural to invoke the supernatural. Fasting is not dieting. It's, just, it's, it's not just missing a meal. Fasting is not, oh, yeah, some of y'all are like, Pastor, I just do intermittent fasting. If you do intermittent fasting, it's going to be easy for you. Because that's what it is. Just add prayer. And add reading the word. And add seeking the face of God. And giving your undivided attention to God. This is so important, church. This is so important. Fasting is replacing your meal time with word time and prayer time. It's as simple as that. You're going to get twice as much done during the day. And I'll tell you this from personal testimony. Your productivity goes through the roof. You might think otherwise, but the moment you don't focus on food and you don't allow food to wear you down and distract you and get you tired, like, like it will be amazing. You'll be amazed as to how much time that you get back or you become productive. Like, do you know how much, I looked this up, do you know how much an average human being spends eating food a day? An hour and a half every day eating food. Like, spread out breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Like, just that time that we spend eating food, looking at the Lord in prayer. That's going to be a major step up from what we're doing already. In Isaiah 58 and verse 3, the Bible says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You're telling me, God, you don't notice what, you know, my fasting, I've been fasting, I've been praying. And God's like, "Uh, but the day you fasted, you did whatever you wanted to do. That's what he said. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Like fasting is not to impress God church it's to build us. I want us to understand this. You're fasting but you're still watching Squid Game and Lupin. You're fasting but you're still hanging out with your homies. Like you're fasting like like but but you're doing all of that stuff that you regularly do every single day. Like what's the difference? You're starving. Pretty much starving. God says, "Man, you do as you please." Please. The word pleasure comes from the word please. Please your pleasure. Fasting is just not missing meals. It's focusing on God. It's abandoning pleasures. It's abandoning what pleases you and makes you feel good. Fasting is just not giving up sugars because that's your pleasure. No, no, no. It's fasting food and giving up sugars. I got to finish this. Fasting is reading, studying, meditating, spending time with God. Fasting revolves around the heart more than the stomach. Get quiet when there's no noise around. Get in the closet, tune out all the noise. Fasting is leaning into God, leaning away from friends. Like fasting disconnects me from the world. Like early in the morning when you wake up, everything's okay, you sleep well and then you open up Instagram. How many of y'all get depressed? And you read what somebody shared on Facebook and you're like, Fasting is putting all that aside and the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is not look at your phone but look to the eyes of God. Like fasting disconnects me from the senses that demand a level of energy that I may not have. Like all the energy that you dispense and give into things that are not going to bless you. And I want to speak life over some people this morning. What are the benefits of fasting? Real quick. I'll give you a few things and, and then we'll go. Benefits of fasting, it, gives, it creates spiritual discipline. Fasting doesn't get God on my page, it gets me on God's page. Am I talking to somebody? Like it creates more hard time for God. It clears up your tummy and your schedule and hunger for God and his word increases. Intimacy for God increases. The second thing, you have a clear and sober mind. I look forward to my 21 days of fasting every year because, man, my thinking is so pure. It is so so clear. It is, I have heightened attention. I have heightened focus. Why? Because I choose to fast and pray. The time of fasting clears up your heart, the purity of your heart, the purity of your mind. It improves my physical health. It improves my health. It improves my energy. It, gives, it purifies my body. It removes my toxins. I can go on and on and on. But the fifth thing is important. The fifth thing is it provides spiritual freedom. There's some of y'all that need spiritual freedom in your life. An oppression that needs to be broken. Over these 21 days, I want you to give fasting and prayer a a try. And we're going to see oppression break in the name of Jesus. I am believing on that personally. And there are some families that are praying for stuff. There are some individuals praying for stuff. And I want to pray and fast with you for breakthrough in those things. Sonia and I were talking last week about it, and Sonia said, man, over the last five years, just because we've had kids and we've had so many things happen in our life, and she was feeding the kids as soon as they were born, there was so much back to back to back. She hasn't been able to fast consistently, and she said, for the first time in five years, I get to do a 21-day fast, and I'm like, I am so excited for her. Some of us need to make a decision because I believe that there's some bondage that we are believing for. And as a family, we're believing to break some stuff because I believe in my heart that it can break. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, the Bible says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Daniel's been fasting for 21 days and God reminds him from the first day that you started fasting. That first day. I answered your prayers and I sent the answer already. But guess what? Oppression will come in the way. It will st- stand in your path and Ephesians 6:12 says that for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Principality literally means prince over cities. There are different cities, different rules, different cultures, and there are princes of palates, the rulers of darkness, the rulers of this age. And we are going to break those bondages, those rulers of our generation. The rulers of your generation and those principalities that you had in your generation growing up, it's not the same demons that our kids are facing. This fasting and prayer, we are going to stand in the gap and we are going to pray for deliverance and breakthrough over our kids, over our next generation. Fasting breaks habits and bondages. If you have addictions, fasting will break that. The sixth thing is protection. God gives you protection. He takes care of you when you fast. And Seven, answer to prayers. Worshiping and fasting. God starts talking, man. When you have life-changing decisions to make, try fasting and praying. Tuning into God's station and God's channel during fasting and prayer. When, when, when you go quiet, God can, God can speak. That's what fasting is. The last one is spiritual sensitivity. Your discernment. Your ability to gauge right from wrong. It's amazing. It's amazing. Worship team, you guys can get ready. Stand to your feet, everybody. This last one, you can take a picture of the screen, but let me give you a tip how to fast real quick. How to fast. Five things. You don't have to write it down in your book. You can go back and write it down in your book. If you were writing, just take a picture of it. How to fast. One, set your objective. You have three weeks from now to start. On the 6th, we begin our 21-day fast. Today, this week, you can pray about setting your objective. Set a tangible goal. Something doable. Don't say, pastor's fasting for 21 days. I'm going to fast for 21 days. If you have fasted before... And you know what goes into fasting. And if you're physically able, I have no problem. Come in, fast. Let's do it. I will fast with you. And we've done this before. There are many people in our church. We've fasted together 21 full days. We've drank water, juices. I'm not going to be holier than thou and tell you that I've not drank juices or smoothies. I've done that to replenish my strength. I have done it. You have to pick what works for you. I am not demanding that everybody fast for twenty. Some of you all, I saw your faces while I was preaching. You all 21 days without food, like, I don't know how that's going to be, Pastor. You just got to commit to it, like, set your objective. The first thing is set your objective. What do I mean? Like, are you looking for guidance? Like, after the 21 days is over, what do you want to see accomplished? Are you looking for wisdom? Are you looking for healing? Are you looking for deliverance, bondage? Like, like healing from, like, like healing from a physical ailment or healing from a bondage, breakthrough? It could be sexual sin. I don't know. Be specific when you pray. Lay a goal for the 21 days. The second one is make a commitment. You can do a 21. You can do a 14. You can do a 1. You can do a 3. You can do, hey, I will, I will fast two meals and I work every day, pastor. I, have, I, am, you know, I, I, have, I take medication. So this is where I, I don't want y'all to think that I'm cruel and I'm evil here. All right? I understand that you have to have a meal before your medication. If you have to take medication, submit yourself to fasting and prayer like a Daniel fast where you only eat vegetables or, and fruits. One of those things. There are different kinds and you can come talk to me. And next week we're going to be handing out a, a fasting guide that will help you through all of these questions that you can that, that you could be, could answer. The, the only thing I don't want you to do is look at me and say, Pastor, I'm fasting Netflix. I'll be so mad at you. After preaching this entire message, if you come and tell me I gave up candy canes for 21 days, I'd be like, are you serious? That's the only thing I don't want to hear. But if you can do it one full day, do one full day. If you can do three full days, you have the ability inside of you. I want to remind you, you have the ability inside of you to look at the enemy and say, you are not the God of my body. I have a will, I have a strength, and I am going to do it in the name of Jesus. And guess what, I've failed many times before. The first time I fasted when I was 13 years old, I fasted my first 21 21-day of fasting prayer. I will tell you this, it was one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life. Those are my initial stages of ministry. In the year I fasted 21 days for the first time, Given I was a student, I had my summer vacations. There was nothing else I was doing. I was in church all the time, fasting, seeking the the face of the Lord. Something dramatic happened, and God shifted me from where I I, I was into the next level of anointing that God put on my life. Prepare yourself physically. This year, I'm actually going to start early, preparing my body. Because I know as I get older, it's getting difficult. It's getting a little more difficult than it used to be. So I have to feel, I, I, I'm going to prepare weeks earlier where I'm going to take away meals slowly, preparing myself for that 21-day fast. Start, start doing it early if you can. Because, man, it's, it's, it's hard, but discipline is important. Usually day one is not big of a deal. You're, you're like, oh, you have, you're like, I can do this. You're, you know, your, your body's pretty much resting. Can I break this down real quick? Just bear with me. Day three is basically, man, uh, like, your, your stomach starts producing gastric acids that like it's it, like when you eat actually Like once you consume food, whatever food you, you eat Your body produces gastric acids that help break down that food Like, like you know those hunger pangs that come in Like the, the pain that, that, that you start feeling at 12 o'clock And you're like, oh, I'm hungry, I gotta eat right now Like the pain comes when those acids cannot find food And at 8 a.m. your brain tells your stomach that it can expect that cinnamon toast crunch or those of pancakes with a side of bacon. It's just telling, your brain is just telling your body that it needs it. It's not that you're hungry. At 10.30, your brain tells your stomach to ask you for that nut bar. At 12, for that Pad Thai. Your brain's just telling you. So when your stomach doesn't receive what your brain is telling you to expect, your gastric juices in your stomach doesn't have that cinnamon toast to digest, so it starts working with what it has. You're not dying. You're not like, oh, I don't know I oh, I've got to. no, no, it's just basically eating away at what's already there, and that's good for you. All that stuff that's in that lining it's taken care of. You don't need fresh food. Someone say, "Amen." The good thing is that stomach lining has food that's been there for the last few years. I know that's an ew moment, but that's a true moment. Day four: this is the day that you think you're going to die. When breakfast time hits and everybody else is eating, you drink water, Angela. Drink water. At, eight, at 11 a.m. when you're like, that fruit bar is calling my name, you drink water. If you have to drink juice, you drink coconut water, you drink some coconut water. Day six and seven, this is where it gets challenging. Six is the number of men. Like the brain and your stomach is fighting. Brain says release, your stomach says there's nothing there finally say the brain will say man i'm done telling you i'm done we're fought i am done warning you i'm done telling you that you need something you do you and that's when your release starts happening the day of the seventh day is a day of freedom is where the, the number of man gives way and god says i'll take over number seven through 21 is cruise control your first week is going to be the hardest week church But the uh, second last thing is prepare yourself spiritually. Some of us need to deal with unconfessed sin. Seek forgiveness from people that you've offended, who have hurt you. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Surrender your life fully to Christ. The last one is put yourself in a schedule. Decide what you're going to do, how you're going to pray, when you're going to pray, how you're going to spend time with God. Can we close eyes all over this place as we just get into a time of prayer? I know I went over just by a little bit today, but I just wanna, I just wanted to teach this in its entirety. I know it's a lot of subject matter to kind of digest today, but I want us to really understand this as something that's important and something that can change your life. I wanna remind you again, fasting is a private decision to reorient your purposes, your priorities. Like I said earlier, fasting is this willful abstinence From natural pleasures, for spiritual nourishment. That's what it is. Fasting and prayer is dedicating time to spend time in prayer without consuming food. That's what fasting is. Fasting is using the time that you would otherwise use for eating food to pray and spend time in the presence of God. I told you, fasting and prayer changes us. It doesn't change God. It's for us. Fasting and prayer doesn't manipulate God. It positions you to receive more from God. As we just get ready to pray today, if there's anybody that needs prayers today, just... I'm going to pray over everybody that's over here and as the worship team comes up, as we do every week, they're going to just spend some time in worship and prayer, but I'm going to just pray over everybody standing over here. If there's anybody that needs prayers today about anything, would you slip up your hands real quick? Let me pray over you. There's something that you're praying for, you're believing for. If you're at home, if you're sick in your bodies, just lift up your hand wherever you are, wherever you're watching from. There's a breakthrough that you're expecting. We're going to pray for Andrew and Lydia's kids. They are sick. We're going to pray for them, healing on their bodies. There are many people that are traveling on vacation. We're going to pray for them. Every person in this room that has your hands lifted up, whatever that prayer need is, right now all over this place, Father, I pray for each and every individual whatever they're praying over, whatever they're believing for, in the name and by the power of Jesus, we pray, God, that you will bring it to pass. Your word says, ask, and it shall be given knock, and it shall be opened. Seek, and you shall find. And today, God, we do all three, and we knock on the door of heaven, expecting miraculous, expecting breakthrough, expecting you to move in a supernatural way. So, Father, every need in this place... Whether physical, financial, personal, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for healing, breakthrough, and deliverance all over this place. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Thank you for our time today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to church today. Thank you for health. Thank you for strength. Thank you for giving us, Lord, the ability to wake up from our beds this morning. I thank you for every person that's visiting with us today. I thank you for every need in this place. We ask that Jesus will be lifted up, that Jesus will be glorified. Our glory and honor be unto you. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do. Father, I pray, God, for every unspoken need in this place. Every family that has gone through a loss, every family that's going through pain. There are some people that are going through unsurmountable pain of loss. And I pray for each one of them in the name of Jesus. I pray for their families. I pray for their marriages. I pray, God, that you will restore that which has been broken. I thank you because your hand is upon our church. Your hand is upon our people. Thank you, Abba Father. All glory and honor be unto you. Father, I pray for Rebecca that is at home. She is not feeling well. She has a cold. I pray for healing on her body as well. Eric and Rebecca be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We pray for healing. Thank you, Abba Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance your direction. And may he give you peace that passeth all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.